2: You're listening to KFI AM 640, On Demand. Randy, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. How can I help you?
3: Uh, Yes, sir. I I was very interested in uh, hearing your talk about uh, God being outside of time and actually created time. And that's how he knows what's going to happen. And uh, I'm just interested in time. And I think Mm -hmm. back to some of these scriptures, I thought maybe you could uh, uh, let me know, you know, some stuff that uh, I'm not sure about. Uh, Okay. I think about the time that Adam and Eve and the serpent, how long were they in the garden before the fall? I wonder Ah. about uh, how long perhaps the enemy was on the earth before Adam and Eve were created. I even think about some scholars talk about the book of Job possibly being the oldest book in the Bible where, okay. uh, you know, he came in front of uh, God asking what he's been up to. And he said, I've just been walking here and through on the earth. And, you know, they even talk about, uh, you know, Job talking about seeing the behemoth, the dinosaurs. Do you have any enlighten me on some of this timeline that might possibly be in the scriptures?
2: Sure. Wow. That's a lot of questions. Let's start with the first and really look at Genesis and Adam and Eve. It doesn't specifically say how long they were in the garden prior to the fall, nor does it say how long the serpent was in the garden. But the reality is, it all existed. The serpent and sin, as far as the desire to make people sin, has already been understood because you already have the fall of the morning star. You already have Lucifer fallen at this point because there would be nothing to tempt anyone in the garden if the the serpent, Satan, didn't exist. So that's already existent in Genesis. The interesting thing is because what... Takes place after the fall that you there, there is what takes place after the fall is that sin enters into mankind. Romans 5 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So that comes through Adam, right? That comes through Adam and Eve, and that will be passed down. The only thing we have that kind of guides this timeline is that the children of Adam and Eve are not born yet. If they were born, it is believed prior to that time, then they would not have had the sin nature necessarily in the same way, in the same sense. So that's the only real guiding of the timeline there is to say that, well— The kids weren't born yet, and that's the only marker. It doesn't give us any length of time, but it is commonly believed by scholars it wasn't that long that they experienced that uh, in the garden, that they were in the garden uh, with the serpent uh, prior to the fall. So there's nothing to really give you a specific time frame, but it was fairly short.
3: That's so interesting. How about this talk about uh, Job seeing the behemoth, and they say dinosaurs, uh, and the fact that where they're saying that possibly that's the oldest book in the Bible, you know, how long would that be? The woolly mammoths went extinct 10,000 years ago.
2: Yes, so the woolly mammoths, not dinosaurs, but surely uh, that is a beast that has not been around, although if you want to go down a deep deep dive on science, uh, they believe that in some time soon, they'll be able to recreate one. Uh, I will say this, the, beh- the behemoth and the Leviathan in Job 40, that talks about, uh, you know, who can tame these beasts are an interesting story, because the assumption is in the conversation that no man can tame them no woman can tame them. And then you'd have to say, well, if it was, some say uh, one is a hippopotamus, another says, oh, it's an alligator. Another says, well, one's an elephant or these types of things. Well, the descriptions in there are interesting because one, if they couldn't be tamed, all those animals have been in circuses before. So that doesn't make sense. Plus, the one that is referred to as the behemoth talks about a a tail like a cedar. It's not really something that reminds you of that tiny little whip tail that an elephant has. So there are some that say, hey, these might be references to dinosaurs. However, Randy, there is no real direct evidence that humans were around during during the time of dinosaur even though there are those that believe that some tracks have been seen both side by side with uh, a humanoid of some kind and a dinosaur of some kind so all those arguments go back and forth it's not necessarily a dinosaur it wouldn't really Jive with science if it was a dinosaur, but something about these animals were large enough, bold enough, and distinct enough to stand out in the story of Job. And uh, that is one of those things that is, you know, often contested. But yes, there are uh, books, obviously, like Job, that precede what is referred to as the New Testament. And certainly, Uh, are much older, and to be understood as so. But the dinosaur part, it is one of those things that is an interesting conversation, but still there's no evidence uh, that humans ever walked uh, by dinosaurs. As a matter of fact, the span span is uh, pretty long between the two, seeing as dinosaurs died out uh, about 65 million years ago. So uh, it's tough to place man there. But there are interesting timelines, I get it. But you're really looking at a uh, volumes, books, many, many books, not just one because they're under the cover of one, but a massive span of, of 66 plus books written over a span of 1,500 years or so by 40 plus authors from kings and peasants. There's a lot that goes into it and getting every single detail about uh, the time in one place is interesting to us, of course, but on the other side, it is not important to God Otherwise, it would have been pointed out. Bill, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show.
1: Yes, I have a couple questions about speaking in tongues. Okay. In, uh, In the book of Acts, it talks about the day of Pentecost where the apostles came out and started speaking in other tongues. But these were tongues that people understood, like Syrian, Greek, stuff like that. They understood them in their own language. Yes. And so it had another reference later in Acts about the same thing happening. But then later on in Acts, it talks about the apostles laying hands on people, them being filled with the Holy Spirit as evidence of speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't say these tongues were interpreted by someone else. And then later on in Paul's letters, he talks about, I wish you could all speak in tongues as much as I do. But he also talks about these tongues are more prophetic tongues where you need somebody to interpret them to be of any worth. So having said that, uh, and also back in Acts, when it talks about people t- being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues, that's a different type, it seems like. So it seems like there's three different types of tongues, mm-hmm. the ones that the apostles, they whereby understood them in their own language, and then prophetic tongues. But then there's this other tongue that are some people laid on hands and uh, were speaking in other tongues, which seems more like a prayer language. So that's one question is that the proper interpretation second question do tongues still exist today and the third question is i know there's some denominations that say you haven't been fully fully brought into the christian fellowship until you speak in tongues with evidence or
2: filled with the holy spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues does that make sense or is that too all of it as a matter of fact i think you (laughs) summarize that quite nicely Uh, As far as your interpretation, uh, I think that that's wonderful and spot-on interpretation. Uh, Acts 2, 6 through 12, and at the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? and how is it that we hear each of us in his native language? So tongues actually translates to language. The three languages or the three types of tongues would be when someone in a situation starts to speak in a language they have never studied or understood and now they can speak in it. That is one, that's what Acts 2 is talking about. There is the kind of tongues in which somebody is prophetically saying something that doesn't sound like it makes sense, and then someone interprets it. So God puts it on someone to speak this way, and then also someone to interpret what it means. And then the last one, which is like, as you said, a prayer This is the one that is between the individual and God, and it is a language that is not for everyone else. It is strictly a prayer between the individual and God, and that is the three major beliefs in the types of tongues. As far as if they are still for today, there is no place in Scripture that conclusively says... Tongues have ceased. As a matter of fact, when you go through some of the lists in Corinthians, lists of the, the different gifts of the Spirit, tongues is only one of them. And if you go through, there is also teaching in there as well. So if you start saying that one of these is for today, but this one isn't, you run into a problem as well because they aren't separating them all. They don't say, well, (laughs) teaching is for today, (laughs) but tongues is not. So imagine just saying that teaching is not for today. So although there's different beliefs in this, it is a completely legitimate conclusion to say that tongues are for today. However, that being said, uh, tongues can be abused. People can use them to try and make them look closer to God. I've heard some babbling before that means nothing for nothing just to be a part and when it comes to the gifts of the spirit when somebody says you have to have you have to speak in tongues there's a problem with that as well because if you go on in the scriptures reading about these gifts it starts talking about parts of the body and how no part of the body is more important than the other (laughs) and that they need to work in harmony together it makes more sense that not everybody would have these gifts mm-hmm. so that the body would be necessary to come together and work together as is the analogy of the human form uh, that is being used there. So it makes more sense to say different people are going to have different gifts so that the body of Christ has to come together and work together as a whole rather than having somebody you know, raised up because they can speak in tongues. So think of it this way. The eye would not boast over the ear. The ear would not boast over the mouth or the nose. And so it it looks like it is trying to make the body come together to use these gifts together and not raise someone up because of them. And uh, there is still conversation, and there will be conversation for a long time. But that is the belief of this program. Charlie, welcome to The Jesus Christ Show. Hi there. Hey, thanks for taking my call. My pleasure, Charlie. What's Uh, going on?
3: I'm wondering, uh, my dog passed away about a year and a half ago. Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm wondering if I'll ever see her again.
2: Well, I'm happy to tell you there's nothing in Scripture that says you won't. Says there's no tears in heaven. And although animals don't go to heaven in the same sense as a human, they don't have souls in the same sense right. as a human. They're instinctual. instinctual. It's why a, a dog doesn't go to jail for murder or anything like that. And But there are animals talked about in heaven. Uh, the concept of the four horsemen, even. And so there's no reason to believe that uh, these beloved pooches are not going to be there. So there's no reason for me to tell you that you won't. Well, that's good news. I'm sorry. These things can weigh heavy. The bond between uh, people and their animals is a powerful one. And I know that it hurts. And sometimes... People kind of hide it away because they think they're being silly, but it is very powerful, and that loss uh, runs deep in the mourning that goes with it. So are you thinking about getting another dog if you haven't already? Well, uh, I'm getting pretty close to 80 years
3: old, so I I doubt that we'll get another dog.
2: Well, uh, you can adopt <laughs> dogs that are older as well. Sure.
3: Well, I was pretty well attached to her this one, and she was uh, probably my best friend.
2: Well, it's not about replacing the animal. It's about continuing to love one. And uh, if you ever think so, there are a lot of dogs out there that are older that people don't want to adopt. And you can find yourself another pal that is different and separate and unique uh, that can bring you joy and continue to... Live 80 ain't a, de- a death sentence, certainly not nowadays. So, uh,
3: no, no, st- I feel
2: pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot more love in you to give, and uh, again, it's not to replace anyone, but there are a lot of really lovely dogs out there that are longer in the tooth that people don't want for their children um, because they don't want them to go through that. Uh, process too soon but some right. something to think about charlie if uh if you if god lays, lays that on your heart uh to to connect that way so be it but uh that's that's up to you my friend there's just no need to be extra lonely you've had a year and change to to mourn so uh, that's okay Mary, welcome to The Jesus Christ Show.
0: Yes, thank you so much for taking my call.
2: My pleasure, um, Mary. What's going uh, on?
0: Probably because I know God is very powerful and God can do anything, absolutely anything in my life. Amen. And so I'm calling to please ask for some help. My daughter, my daughter's 33. She lives on the East Coast. She's very successful in her academic career, has her PhD and all that but she lives far away. This is what I'm asking. I'm asking how I can improve communication with her because she has cut me out. She did this before, four years ago. She didn't talk to me for a year and nine months. And then um, I went to visit her, and she was happy to see me. And then the next, and she was going to, she was happy to see me briefly. And then she said, I'll see you the next morning. And then she canceled it and got really mean. And then a few days later, after she talked to her therapist, she called me back. And we reunited and we had a great four years together. During COVID, she even came and stayed for a whole month. Now she's, she totally cut me out again. It's, I haven't spoken to her since August. I went back there. She's at Princeton. I went Mm -hmm. back there to try to see her, um, you know, in December. And she she said she was busy. She wouldn't see me. I'm very hurt. I want to know what to do.
2: Well... That's all I this, have to say. Well, these Please are some to say. Well, these are tough questions, and I need you to be tough and strong and answer some questions for me. Okay. What are the reasons she's given you before when she needed time she away from She gives me
0: you? no reasons. And the last time we reunited, I was so afraid to ask. I just smiled and made everything very pleasant. And we had a very pleasant time together for the last four years, We get together every Christmas and then in June. And we went to Paris together for a week and had a wonderful time two years ago at this time. And I was so afraid to ask her because I thought it it might cause us to argue and I didn't want to rock the boat at all. So I finally asked her just recently. And I said, you know, why did you not talk to me for a year and nine months? And she said, well, I just needed a break.
2: Okay, so she did tell you. That there, she well, yes, has told. Yes,
0: them. Okay. yes, yes. That's one thing she said.
2: Um, have you ever been called by her or anyone else um, annoying or clingy or anything like that? Never. Okay. Well, do you have any other Never kids? No. And where's dad and all this?
0: We're divorced. And we both went to her. She graduated with her Ph.D. from Dartmouth last year. And we both went to her graduation. And I was there for a whole week with her. And we spent time together. And it was pleasant. And then uh, her father came in, and we were together. We He and I got along very nicely for the graduation. And then afterwards, he stayed for a week. Does, so we each had our separate time with her. But we also had our time together with her. And we got along very well.
2: Does your... Uh, former husband, does he talk to her quite a bit, or does she go dark on him sometimes, too?
0: Well, I know that she was supposed to go to... Th- I believe she goes dark on him sometimes, too. I don't know for sure. She was supposed to go there for Thanksgiving, and I know that she did not.
2: Okay, so... She,
0: so... Didn't go, she was supposed to come to me for Christmas, and she did not. And she broke up with her boyfriend very fast, unexpectedly.
2: Okay, so... It can be a lot of different things. Uh, There's so much going on there to unpack. But I would say this. She sounds successful. And she's probably incredibly driven. And she may just know her limits. With the information you gave me, I know it hurts. But you also raised her to be independent. And that's what independence does. And it's not that parents aren't important. But to gain success to get your PhD is very time-consuming and she just may know her boundaries. And when she can't uh, do anything, her just she just does not have the capacity or the bandwidth to deal with anything else. And she just may not be great at explaining it. She may just be an academic that feels more comfortable about books, numbers, and things. relationships are difficult. Relationships in family are difficult. Relationships at work are difficult. Relationships are difficult. As a matter of fact, the entirety of Scripture is about relationships. Even if you break down and try and slice almost in half the Ten Commandments, about half of them are about your relationship with God, and the other half is mainly about your relationships with other people other humans. Figuring that out will help you understand scripture better and also will help you understand your relationships better. They are imperative to help you grow, to help partners, friends, family, spouses grow. However, Communication is gonna be key. And to hear concern in a mother's voice and not wanting to rock the boat, there's gotta be something else there. It, yes, is it, is it normal to want to have conversations and connect with your adult children? Of course. However, the depending on the age of the child and the age of the parents. It's also important to note that when a parent is of the age of winding down, having more time and the child is in the building their empire days, that's not always going to connect when somebody's studying and has the weight of studying, and there was talk of a breakup in there as well, they might not be in the right frame of mind to connect. Now, there could be some other concerns. I have only a couple of minutes to spend with you when we talk about that. But I I just want you to think about how very different, It is for a younger person who is in the middle middle of the building years to communicate with family members that may not be, including parents or older siblings, when they may be slowing down. So that means one will have more time on their hands, the other will not. And you can't take that personal. It is a little weird that the lack of communication is there and the timidity of wanting to talk about it concerns me. I think it's important to communicate and say, you know, I'd love to see you or I'd, you know, love to connect with you. No pressure, but let me know when, when you have time or the door is always open. That doesn't mean you're a hotel, you know, or a restaurant. It's okay to plan and some your your child in this case rather. It's important to let them know, but you can have an open door policy as well. So keep all those things in mind and communicate. Nothing wrong with a note either. Sometimes it's easier to do it a note. Just quickly say, um, I know you're working hard and I love you. I didn't want to bother you with a phone call. So I just wrote this note so you'd know that I was thinking of you and that I'm very proud. Uh, When I get the feeling that you don't want to be with us, I try to remind myself how hard you're working and and just know that I love you. And I'm I'm here when you have time, if you'd like to schedule something great. But it sounds like she's not always good with following up. If she's missing major events like Christmas or Thanksgiving... It's either wrapped in work or wrapped in a significant other of some kind. And maybe she doesn't feel comfortable sharing those things. There's a lot there. And something, I I agree, something is going on. But you have to look at the surroundings. And your energy is pretty intense. So if, if your daughter is someone that needs to focus and you disturb that focus, she needs to tell you. She needs to say, hey, you have this very kinetic kind of intense energy, and it makes me nervous when I'm focusing, or I feel I need to perform when I see you, whatever it is, that needs to be worked out between the two of you. KFI AM 640 On Demand.